HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, makers of specialty cheese from Switzerland, crafted with heart and passion. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. That's E-M-M-I-U-S-A.com. Welcome to Life's a Blanket with me, your hosts, Franklin Delanor Roosevelt, and me, your host, Blanket, Michael Jackson's child. <laughs> I was hoping one of us would say that, and I knew yeah, I it might be me. Definitely used that one before. A hundred percent. There's, there's, it's a definite. I know it. I knew it when I said it. And I wonder if when I said Life's a Blanket last time, I also said I was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Probably. Mm. You probably said that you were Blanket. Mm, I probably did say I was Blanket. We could spend hours speculating on what we might have said. There's no way to find out for sure. I, we'll, <laughs> we'll never know. I am your host, a Pendleton Blanket, which is my favorite kind of blanket. Because oh. I'm a snob. <laughs> <laughs> as I a only, wealthy white woman I love yes, as a rich white woman I can say that I only warm myself with the fine fine wool of Pendleton <laughs> and I yeah I am your co-host the Pendleton blanket coat the coveted vintage item that, oh yeah the national parks coat so mm-hmm. good so expensive though. so expensive. Too, expensive. too expensive yes you and know probably itchy exactly please you can keep it um (laughs) it's our good friend mary's birthday it was her birthday yesterday hello mary happy birthday and this is gonna be a spoiler for you mary because mary a virgo a famous Virgo, a famous famed virgo mary o'malley um becky dan mary's sister Catherine, and i uh, are on a group chat about birthdays. I mean, we're on a group chat, but we talk always about birthdays and we'll leave whatever the birthday person is out of the chat. Mm, and I guess that my uh, invitation got lost in the mail. <laughs> it, yes, it did. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. But so we'll, we'll do like a group chat about like birthdays. We have mentioned your birthday and sent you a birthday gift before. Oh, that's um, right. You did. Oh my God. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Um, and that's but, great. Cause then I don't have to contribute to anyone else's birthday. Exactly. I'm, I'm trying to chat. save you dollars, friend. <laughs> but like Mary said yesterday, she's like, you know, the chat behind what the birthday present should be is actually probably more valuable than the actual present when it comes oh, to right. your door. Yes. So we were chatting, Becky and I were discussing, I just went to me with Becky and her boyfriend and 
um, we were like, what should we get Mary? I was like, Oh, I think maybe we should get her like an infrared blanket because my mom gave me one that is pretty simple. It's just like an electric blanket, like heating pad kind of thing. You plug it into the wall. It, it heats and warms you with it's like infrared rays, which sidebars sound dangerous to me, but apparently they're very healing. So we Google like infrared blanket and the one that I have is nowhere to be found. I would encourage you, you, Nicole, and also all of our listener to, um, (laughs) to Google infrared blanket right now, because it's basically like a fucking sleeping bag. The ones that they have available are sleeping bags that you put your hands out of and you just like basically cook yourself in there. And they say you can burn to like 600 calories in an hour by just going in there. What? Oh, and they are silly to look at. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is the same thing that the chick from how did this get made has one of these she like goes down and gets in there and you're sweating it but then you're like sweating in your disgusting blanket i know gross and because it's electric there's like no way to clean it so you just have to like basically i don't know that sounds like a yeast infection like for your whole body waiting to happen like an armpit yeast infection yeah which you can get there has to be a way to clean it though because that is me no I don't want that (laughs) well I feel like instead of doing our topic we should probably just read silently separately about how to clean an infrared sleeping pouch yeah in silence we will read quietly about how to (laughs) clean out your electric infrared sauna it just seems like one of those things that like almost like snack wells or something that in like 10 years from now we're like oh can you believe we like bought into that we're just sitting sweating inside this disgusting sleeping bag. Oh, okay. So cleaning the blanket is very easy, Zara. We oh. recommend using uh, an antibacterial wipe after every use. A wipe? <laughs> Who's got that kind of time? Or you can use a homemade solution of vinegar, tea tree, lavender, or thyme essential oil. That works great too, it says. <laughs> Interesting. Well, <laughs> we're not getting her that. We're getting her a food processor. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> Which is easy to clean with just a little bit of soap and water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it you won't affect it your butt. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah, no butt infections uh, with a food processor, unless you yeah. put your butt in the food processor, which we strongly urge against. We do. anyway. We don't Hello. endorse butting, putting your butt there. Yeah, don't put your butt anywhere except for on a chair and in some pants. Nicole, you mentioned yesterday we were chatting. We had a great heart to heart yesterday, and mm-hmm. at the very end of our conversation, you mentioned that you got a new car, and I immediately hung up on you because I didn't want. I wanted you to save it for the podcast. Okay, well, I didn't get a new car. I paid for it with all of my savings. <laughs> what happened? What is it? Who is she? Um, so I got the car that was on the bottom of my list of choices. Um, because a horse and buggy. <laughs> It, yeah, it's um, it's a Nissan Rogue, which is like a compact SUV, which I don't technically need because I have neither children nor pets or any. I don't have any large equipment that I need to haul around. I don't mm-hmm. have any of those things. But I, for some reason, convinced myself I needed a compact SUV. I can't explain why. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> I got this one because at my price range, buying a used car right now is insane. It's like it's like the stupidest time to buy a used car because new cars are not available. So people are just like, fine, I guess I'll get a used car. So like dealerships have signs. They're like, we'll buy your car from you. We have no inventory. Please give us your car. Whoa. (laughs) Jeez. Prices are not very good. They're higher than they ought to be. So I 
raised my budget to $16,000, oh, which is What are you, in, some kind of fucking Bill Gates over here? $16,000? No, yeah, because for anything less than that, I was going to have to get a car that was 10 years old, and I didn't want to yeah. fuck with that. So, so yeah, and so for that fucking price, the only car that I could find that wasn't, this was like the youngest car I could find. It's a 2016. Um, and it only had 79,000 miles on it. The other cars that I were looking at were like 2014s, 2013s, and they all had over a hundred thousand miles on them. But the thing is, is the Nissan has transmission issues. So I'm just like paranoid that it's going to explode. Yeah, it might. Do you think um, that would be worth it? Also 2016, Great year. Just kidding. Yeah, it was a really great year. Um, uh, it was the best of times. And <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. So the yeah, it was a really hot summer. So my car is you know very dry and acidic. Um, <laughs> very strong tannins. <laughs> um, it's dry and acidic and tannic all at once. All at once. All the worst qualities in its most extreme forms together at one yeah. in one vehicle. Mm-hmm, yeah, and the vines were stressed, but um, so yeah, it <laughs> it's fine. It's it's also like fancy, like it's you know it's a 2016 car. So when you reverse, it has a little camera that's like, don't crash into this car. That's so thoughtful, huh? I love that. Yeah. And I can play my little iPhone in there and listen to my tunes, and <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's the nicest car I've ever fucking had in my life. But the, you know, the last time I had a car was when I you know. 10 years ago <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so it was a very stressful process to go in there and decide to buy it and but also I was just like sick of not having a car it was starting to just wear me down a little bit yeah and also the cost of taking ubers everywhere was really adding up so um that's great I bought it I don't feel great about it but it's also getting me around and it's it's fine I think it's going to be fine. I went through this issue with my folks when we were, I was trying to buy a new car a couple months ago. And like, you can just like think yourself. I mean, yes, of course you don't want to buy something that's like a total piece of shit, but like at the end of the day, I don't know. I mean, I'm just not someone who's going to like sit and pontificate about like, well, this is the, I don't know. Just get a car. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's, you have a small brain. You're not meant to pick out a car. That's exactly <laughs> right. And so, um, my, freaking car salesman guy was like the most adorable 20 year old on the planet and his name is max and i love him um what's he, up max call nicole yeah he's interested uh no um but he i could be his parent uh, that is true <laughs> um, that is true and scary i <laughs> the passage of time is terrifying it uh, truly <laughs> is i mean the passage of time is truly terrifying actually i'm gonna quick sidebar here yesterday I decided I was going to watch Geely and I didn't because I couldn't bear to. So instead I watched a movie called hero with Andy Garcia and Dustin wow. Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Very stressful. About, he lies about saving the people on the plane or something. Yes. Andy Garcia lies about being the hero who saves people from a plane crash. This movie is so stressful to me because it's like the trope of somebody not being believed about something like, when they know, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, my point here is, is that while I was watching it, I was like, how old was Dustin Hoffman here? Like 45, 46 years old. He's like 75 years old. Yeah. And then I was like, now Dustin Hoffman is an old man. This is going to happen to me in the fucking blink of an eye in the same way it happened to poor Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) It really Mm -hmm. freaked me out. So this is all to say, I'm glad you got a new car. Thank you. 
Um, <laughs> why couldn't you bear to watch Geely? I don't know. It just was like the thought of having to sit through the whole thing. I w- it was making me really anxious, I guess. I like it, I think. Okay, I'll watch it. I didn't realize there was two Gs in it. It's spelled G-I-G-L-I. Yeah, Jiggly. Um, <laughs> Jiggly yeah. is oh, what so it's so that's why really... you couldn't watch it because you couldn't find it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it was just like G-I-L-I. They're like, no, no, we only have Jiggly. I was like, well, I don't want to watch Jiggly. How did these people make two movies so similar in name? Oh, I got frustrated. Actually, okay, so I this is what happened. I think I conflate Jiggly with the Mexico gun movie with Brad Pitt in it. The Mexican. The Mexican. Because right. isn't, isn't um, Sopranos guy in the Mexican James Gandolfini? Yeah. I don't know. I never saw it. I never saw The Mexican. But I don't there's, know if he... You never he, saw The Mexican? I feel like... Well, there's a movie... I'm sorry. Where he, <laughs> where he plays... You know, he has to kidnap somebody's partner. Uh-huh. And it's either Julia Roberts, if it's The Mexican, or it's Jennifer Lopez, if it's Geely. Okay. And he is like a sympathetic character. He's like gay, but he has to kidnap because he's, he works for like the bad guys or whatever. So Who he has to are we kidnap. speaking about? The main character, Affleck or Pitt or James Gandolfini? James Gandolfini. Okay, got it. Follow along here. Okay, I got he, it. J- James Gandolfini plays a sympathetic character, who, but he does have to, you know, kidnap whoever. Uh-huh. Um, and we find out, you know, they end up bonding because they're just basically, he has to take the person on a road trip to like meet the other person i don't know got it i feel um, like it can't be geely because isn't geely like widely regarded as one of the worst movies of all time yeah but so is Waterworld, and i like Waterworld. i still haven't seen it i can't bring myself to watch Waterworld and see kevin costner in in that type of situation but embarrassing let me himself my story okay um, go ahead so james gandolfini basically plays he's gay and so she finds out that he's gay and he i don't know they just put like portray him as a really sweet nice kidnapper guy um yeah. And then, unfortunately, he does die. But I can't remember what movie this is from. Thanks for ruining both movies for me. Call in and let us know. Yeah, I love James Gandolfini. Did you ever see that last movie he made before he died, Enough Said, with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus? I love that movie. What a sweet film. And a nice man. I mean, he was only 50 when he died. I know. It could happen to me. It could could happen to anyone. Um, Um, Well, really quickly, since we have digressed quite far, but this is a good segue into... Into, um, you know, Ben Affleck. Okay, So great. what's in the news RN is that um, basically Jennifer and Ben have shown up, have appeared at the Venice Film Festival for the premiere of The Last Duel, which is a Matt Damon-Ben Affleck joint. And Adam um, Driver. I heard, unfortunately had to listen to Matt Damon speak about this on WTF a couple of weeks uh, ago. no. So, yeah, I did not even know that this movie was a thing, but apparently it is a feminist film that will, ins- <laughs> it will inspire catharsis in the audience, according to Ben Affleck. Um, uh, 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 he's- <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Ben- <laughs> the feminist <laughs> film starring Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, who still says the F word, and Adam Driver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Just well, to it's feminist sure because right. they didn't make any women do any work during the movie, you know? Got it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, cool. So apparently also Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are separately, but together, but separate from this issue of the film festival. They're renting a condo in Austin. I don't really know why. Huh. Um, but yeah, 
And then also Ben Affleck has said that he and Matt Damon, their friendship has saved his sanity and his mental health. Oh my God, that's so sweet. That's, they're just like us, stars. Yeah, they're just <laughs> like, the stars are just like us. Um, and then this article, my favorite article title of all time, because it doesn't really commit to anything. It says, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck might be giving us the red carpet moment we've been waiting for. Oh my God. <laughs> what is it? They're going to bust out into like doing the fucking Macarena together or the electric slide? I don't, I don't know, but I like that the article won't even commit to whether or not they actually are going to. <laughs> they might literally do anything. They might like take a hot Carl, like, yeah. you know, at the Venice Film Festival, which I don't, I don't remember what that is, but I know it's about pooping somewhere on somebody. It's where you poop on someone's chest. Oh yeah. They might do that. I hope they do that. We should, spe- we yes. should start that rumor. How fucking no crazy ever, would that be? I don't, I mean, no king shame, but I am king shaming this a little bit. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm a prude. I'm too vanilla, but, um, I don't think anyone actually has shit on someone else's chest on purpose. Have they? 100%. Yes. All right, they have. Uh, you know how many people are in the world? Definitely someone's done that. Did yeah, you watch The White Lotus, by the way? Uh, I got halfway through. I couldn't finish it. Okay, there's just something about shitting in there. It, the, I have to say, I just want to do if a quick... You don't have to wait or worry about spoiling it for me. You can just tell me what happened. <laughs> uh, well, our, some of our listeners might not have seen the ending of it. <laughs> okay. Some of our listener. Listener, have you seen it? No? Okay, well, don't worry. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there is shit involved. But my feelings about the White Lotus, as though this is like a topic that even deserves discussing, (laughs) is that like it had such amazing, like intense, like music in it that was creating such tension with zero climax ever happening. It was just like building so much suspense for like nothing. I mean, I appreciate the cultural, like, you know, narrative surrounding it about like, you know, this this kind of moment we're in right now and et cetera. But like, I, I just found it to be a little Does bit Does it unwatchable. even get to that point? Because I saw like four or five episodes and that part did not occur except for like, there were like stuff happening with the hotel I, employees. I mean I commentary like on rich whites and how gross they often and always are. You know what I mean? So whatever. Yes. I mean, but it still felt like to me like we're just making another show starring all white people about rich white people. You know what That's I mean? Like it's very even true. It I felt commentary, that way too. I was just like, I don't need to see this and I'm also 100% bored I was also very bored I will say I did appreciate seeing Steve Zahn's dick and balls because that was not that was not his dick and balls that was that was a prosthetic well I still thought it was fun because you don't really you thought that that was his that looked so fake I did I saw it I saw it I was shocked I was like what the fuck they didn't even bother first of all you never get to see male dicks that's what I'm saying. Shows. You never get to see dicks. So I was like, oh, a dick. And but then I closed my eyes because I didn't want them to burn out my head. They didn't even have the, I don't know, the kindness to have a real dick. They put a prosthetic <laughs> dick in balls on a stand-in that wasn't even Steve's on really? anywhere near that. Yeah, I got so this. shy when I saw it that I think I actually missed most of it because I Steve's on is like a childhood, like, I don't know, hero. Like, I love Reality Bite so much that... When I saw the dick and balls, I was both excited and then also very sh- ashamed. So I didn't really even look at it fully. <laughs> and this is a whole commentary on how we're not used to seeing men's dicks in movies. Like, I know. It's a whole fucking thing. Show and, us more dicks, please, Hollywood. Um, but like, yeah, it's I actually, as soon as I saw it, I was like, what the fuck? This doesn't look like any dick and balls that I've ever seen. And I've seen 100 million in my lifetime. It was just like a superimposed dick and balls from like a 70s porn. <laughs> 
It was like a prost- an actual prosthetic. So Steve, they, people were like, Steve Zahn answers interview questions about his dick. And he was like, I wasn't even in that scene at all. It was a stand-in and a prosthetic dick and balls. And what the like, hell? Why couldn't he show his own dick? I don't think Answer us, Steve Zahn. Please call him to the show. We'd like to know he why you're so shy of your penis. He's a never nude. <laughs> no, but a lot of actors have a no nudity clause in their contracts. How interesting. Would you nudity? Would you do a nudie? A nudie, I mean, t- I, a fruity tooty nudie. You like? I got the original question. Uh, so, <laughs> um, if you keep asking the question over and a over, a fruity again booty nudie nudie. Would you show your booty or in a nudie? <laughs> then people have to listen to us talking over each other, which I don't think. Sorry, they like. the, the haters probably do like that. Would you do it? I mean, if I guess I had a full time personal trainer, sure. Uh-huh. Why not? I definitely way, do it. It's the only way to make it in Hollywood, right? I guess so. Yeah. I'm saying I definitely do it. I don't know. I don't care. It'll never happen. I don't know why I'm bothering speculating about this. <laughs> no one will ever want to see my naked body in a Hollywood film. <laughs> You're after, probably right. After my work in Geely. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's transition to our topic, hot button topic that for some reason Zara <laughs> decided that we should do this. And I don't know why. <laughs> I Nobody knows. And I couldn't say no, because if I said no, then I would have to come up with a different topic, and I am too lazy to do that. So I had to agree to talk to you. The thing that people have been begging us to talk about for since we began yeah. co-hosting together, um, and that is World War II. Yes, it is World <laughs> War II. Now, I woke up yesterday, as I do most mornings, in a panic, <laughs> except the, on this particular day, I was sleeping in my mom's spare bedroom, which is covered in child's wallpaper for absolutely no reason. It was there when they moved in 12 years ago, and they never took it down. So I, well, that's the reason. That it, is a reason. That is a reason. It's, it's very uh, unnerving, <laughs> and I wake up more anxious than usual when I'm there. And because of that, I started <laughs> thinking about my favorite war and yours. <laughs> uh, World War um, duh. Yeah. I love no, sequels. I'm more into the Hundred Years' War myself, actually. That's kind of like my thing. I'm into the War of the Roses. <laughs> I'm, but not the War on Drugs. I like the War of 1812 also, and mm. the Overture is just chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So funny. Can't top that. Okay, so yeah, we're doing World War II. What do you got for us on World War II? Well, I'm going to talk about rations, and luckily for us, I don't have a lot to cover here, so maybe our long, long intro won't be too bad for okay, great. the time. Perfection. Um, so I found all of this on um, a website that I can't remember, um, so this is just pure plagiarism, but I will uh, <laughs> um, hold on a second, sorry. Pest.com. It's from, yeah. Well, MySpace. Like, Pest. Pets.com does have a lot of really hard-hitting journalism, I think. And I don't think a lot of people know. So it's TP, tptoriginals.org. Oh, great. Love it. The twin, it's the Twin Cities PBS website. Okay, great. Um, so basically, I'm talking about rations, and this is essentially weird things that came about because of rationing and like all the things that people were making because they didn't have any food to eat. Um, Amazing. So the first thing that they talk about is how, because meat was hard to come by, um, mock things came like became really popular. So like 
they were doing, like mock crab, which had nothing to do with crab whatsoever, had a lot of tomatoes in it. Oh, weird. <laughs> um, and but this recipe I thought was pretty interesting. It's for mock sausage, and basically you boil lima beans and make them into a mash, and then uh-huh. you just season them with sausage seasoning, you know, like thyme and sage. Um, okay. Turn them into logs and fry them. I feel like that would be pretty good. I think that sounds delicious because I love lima beans. And much like prunes, I think lima beans get a bad reputation because the name doesn't sound good. Like when you call them yeah. fava beans, they sound a lot better. Well, lima beans, when I was a kid, uh, came out of a can and they were disgusting. And that's yes, why that's I true. Them. <laughs> Although I like other canned beans. I don't know what it is about lima beans that just don't do well with the canning. Too slippery. Process. It's like the mem- yeah. they're very slippery and slimy. Yeah. That's it. Um, so... This, to me, was a huge shock to find out about this propaganda. And it's that carrots, you know, everybody thinks that carrots are good for your eyes. My grandparents told me that when I was a kid. I, I believed it until I read this article. Um, and while it is true that, you know, there is a lot of vitamin A in carrots and, like, technically vitamin A is good for your eyes, there is no truth to the fact that eating a ton of carrots is good for your eyes. Oh, my God. Um, I know. We've been lied to. It is good for your skin turning orange. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so it was basically part of a world, well, there was a carrot surplus, which started the whole thing, but essentially the world war II propaganda campaign by the British ministry of information that the reason why, so basically what was happening is our, um, sharpshooters started getting really good at killing people, uh, that were German okay, or Japanese. It was in 44. I don't really know what's going on then, but, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Sounds right um, to me. Sure, whatever. Uh, and so they were like, well, we don't want them to know the truth, which is that we invented this super secret radar that it makes it easier for to find people in the dark. So they made this whole campaign that said that the reason why our sharpshooters were so accurate is because they ate a ton of carrots. <laughs> and so they have this poster that says, night sight can mean life or death. Eat carrots, rich in vitamin A, essential for night sight. And it shows this guy <laughs> in an army outfit sharpshooting in the dark and eating a carrot at the same time first of all you need a no, lot of concentration to sharpshoot you don't just like you're not gonna be crunching on a loud carrot while you're doing that <laughs> uh they also created a character named dr carrot what? who <laughs> would tell people that you need to eat carrots um to improve your eyesight and it so it became a whole thing which we all believed we all bought it hook line and sinker oh my um, god and as a result along with the carrot surplus, people just like went wild for carrots. And so there, here's some of the recipes from World War II that um, were kind of wacky for carrots. We have carrot flan, uh, carrot jam, well, no. carrot, <laughs> carrot fudge. <laughs> carrot fudge, get the hell out of here. Well, just wait till you hear what other stuff they had to work with. Um, carolade, which is carrots and rutabaga juice mixed uh, together uh, for a drink. <laughs> For delicious drink. I do like carrot juice, but rutabaga is, I don't know, a little stinky for a drink. <laughs> well, what can you do? Um, then we're moving on to potatoes, my favorite food. Delicious. Um, so similarly, they were encouraging people to eat other root vegetables because you could grow them in your own garden. They were just easier to keep around. They store for a long time. So potatoes became a big Thing that they pushed on people. There's an army cookbook from 1944 that had all of these varieties of recipes here. They have baked potato, French baked potato, hash brown, Franconia potato. Oh, what's that? <laughs> Do we know? Well, it's not 
a French baked potato and it's not a French fry, but it Frank Franconia implies some sort of French thing, but mm, I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. It's like a frog stuffed potato. Yeah, probably. Tastes like chicken. Uh, potatoes in a jacket, French fried potatoes, potato puffs, potatoes O'Brien, which is just a potato hash, essentially. <laughs> uh, Leonese potatoes. Oh, delicious. Love Leonese potatoes. And potatoes baked in milk. Yeah, sure. Potatoes au gratin. Mm. And that was just some of the potato recipes in this one book from 1944, the Army Cookbook. Um, Love it. There's also a recipe for mayonnaise that you make with potatoes. Get the hell out of here. Mayonnaise with potatoes? You know, actually, if you boil potatoes and, like, whip them, put them in the food processor, they become gluey like a mayonnaise. I know. That's what, that's that's exactly what they're – all the starch really congeals and turns into gluey. And that's how you can make mayonnaise without eggs. Oh. I mean, to me, that's what's always been a sign of when you ruin the mashed potatoes and have a fight with somebody on Thanksgiving who decided to whip them too much. But Well, you can't whip them in the food processor. That's insane. Just use yeah. a potato masher. Exactly. Don't put your potatoes in the food processor unless you want a mayonnaise alternative. Right. But nowadays, people just make vegan mayonnaise with oil. So I don't know why they couldn't do that back in the day. Yeah. Nobody knows. Interesting. Um, so they also made... Uh, Potato Pete, who was a colleague of Dr. Garrett. (laughs) (laughs) Colleague. They went to college together? I mean, according to this article. Well, I don't know, because Potato Pete's obviously not a doctor, so I don't know if they did go to college together. Like, maybe there's, like, an income disparity there. Nobody knows. Maybe they just grew up together. And then, like... like, Yeah, it's like a class differentiation. Yeah, yeah, like, maybe Dr. Garrett went to med school, and Potato Pete had to go straight into farming or whatever. They're like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in Good Will Hunting. (laughs) <laughs> yes exactly right that's um, the inspiration for the movie there's never a moment in life that you can't reference back to goodwill hunting i think exactly um moving on to cake it seemed like people were really worried about a cake shortage in britain um because i guess they have cake with their tea i don't really know um but essentially all the recipes in the books that came out during that time had a lot of like cake alternatives or not alternatives but like variations on cake where you don't have to use a lot of sugar because sugar was very highly rationed because the japanese took over the philippines and that's where we got all of our sugar from back then and maybe oh, interesting now. Uh, but so as a result we have a lot of cake recipes that sub corn syrup for sugar or you have like a tiny amount of sugar like a quarter of a cup of sugar and then the rest is corn syrup which i think is fine that would be taste fine. Um, yeah, I'm sure it would taste fine. You know, corn syrup isn't very good for you, but whatever. Well, yeah, but it's the 40s. Who cares? That's true. Um, <laughs> There's much worse so, problems than corn syrup going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, well, how do we have corn syrup? But I think processed foods actually were a lot easier to get your hands on. Um, or whatever. Than even. fresh foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, storage and stuff. Right, but then it, as we may remember from our last episode, potato chips were told to like shut down because it was not a, a non-essential food. I don't know. I don't really know. There's more research needs to be done, and not by me. Uh, <laughs> leave it to the professionals at uh, whatever pets.com wherever you got this information. Um, so another couple of recipes from this type of sugar rationing area. There is a one called Bear Cupboard Cake, which had no eggs and no sugar in it. What it even was it? Syrup. I don't know. That, that would probably make like a custard thing, I would feel like, right? Yeah, probably. With, I mean, no, yeah. with no eggs, though, who knows? Who Maybe cares? <laughs> There's also air raid apple chutney, which I thought was really funny that they're just like, 
air raids, the scariest thing that's happening during the Blitz period in London. Uh, we'll just make a jokey little air raid apple chutney recipe here. Uh, um, there was an eggless, sugarless Christmas pudding. And this thing, which is chocolate truffles made with cocoa powder and mashed potatoes. Oh, my God. What? That's wild. It wild yeah, it's a wild time. Totally. Oh, my God. Um, I was trying to think of an axis of evil food pun, but I couldn't mm, if you were mm. noticing my silence. Also, there's some people in my hallway just yelling. I don't even know why. Just I can't hear them. Okay, good. It's distracting Um, me. (laughs) Well, please try to pay attention. Uh, (laughs) So moving on to cottage cheese. During ration times, they tried to convince people they should eat cottage cheese instead of meat. Um, They're like, cottage cheese has way more protein per pound than meat, and it's cheaper there's still this little recipe card that says, give cottage cheese a fair trial. And it says... <laughs> <laughs> Is it like on trial? No, it's just a little card. You can't even see any pictures. Um, but it suggests that you make cottage cheese sandwiches, which I have never thought of before, but would absolutely eat. You love cottage cheese. You should do this. I mean, I will. And then put um, chips on the sandwich to make yeah, it crunchy. I mean, cottage cheese is, would be great on a sandwich. And then they also say that you should combine cottage cheese with chopped pimentos and green pepper and serve with salad dressing. And like back then, salad dressing meant Miracle Whip. Like that. So they're yeah. telling you, and that sounds for me maybe like a no, but not I'm maybe like give a, it a pass. I'm going to say a maybe no. I'm going to say no, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. My dad used to make something called chow chow, which was like ground beef and ketchup and peppers that he would saute together. This also, just so everyone knows, the uh, image in your mind that chefs just make like this fabulous food at home. I hope that helps dispel that rumor because he <laughs> was a chef at the time. And he would just make like, uh, yeah, ground beef, peppers, ketchup, and then put it over cottage cheese. That sounds delicious. I mean, to you, yes. It, I think it's probably part of the reason I've never had cottage cheese because it just, it scarred me in some way. Oh, well, there's also like a... Um... I think in like an Argentinian, I don't know if it's Argentinian, but it's like ground beef with olives, tomato, and like tomato paste, olives, and you're supposed to put raisins in there, but I, don't, I omit the raisins. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really good. And I have eaten that with cottage cheese before. I'm it's sure it'd carb. be great. I need to just face my fear of cottage cheese and just eat it. I don't know what my problem is. I'll do it today. Fuck it. Okay. I'm going to well, do it all sure day you- long. <laughs> I need <laughs> You need to get advice from me about the brand to try, okay? Because I don't want you to just go get the wrong kind. Just willy-nilly. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so finishing up here, uh, there's one more thing. I found a recipe for Betty Crocker's emergency steak, <laughs> which is, <laughs> to me, so funny. It's like an emergency steak. And so it's described as T-bone family style with strips of carrot to resemble the bone. Wow. So you put a little carrot in there to resemble a bone, but the recipe itself is just ground beef and Wheaties broiled um, with seasonings. And then you put a little <laughs> carrot in there and it's like, you're eating a T-bone steak. <laughs> that does sound like an emergency, <laughs> to be honest, a steak emergency. Um, and then here's just a, more, a little bit more tidbits, trivia, if you will, from the times of the rationing. Um, people were, they were really strict in England about rations and wasting food so they made it like illegal to waste food. So a woman told her maid to feed the birds with leftover bread and someone tattled on her. So she was, she and her maid were fined for feeding the birds instead of using that bread in some other way. Wow. I mean, I, I'm all in support of not wasting food. 
Yeah, but you can't blame the maid for following instructions and also fine her. Of Ooh. course, the maid should have no part in any of this. It's not her fault at all. She's a, she's um, a victim here. A lot of the times there were no onions available, which I think is kind of interesting because I basically everything that I make has onions in it. Yeah, I mean, onions are very important. I just got a huge bag of like farm fresh, like homegrown onions from my parents' friends that are um, farmers. Oh, yeah. We went to that farm. Yeah, yeah, that farm is so cool. They brought me like all this onion, shallot, and garlic. And I'm like so excited about it, but I'm also I'm just like one person. I'm gonna have to eat nothing but just raw onions with the skins on for the next three months. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds good for you. Um, they also the government made people give their used meat bones back, so they would like wrap them in oh, wow. paper and leave them on the porch, and they would be collected, and they would use those to um, make glue for aircraft or glycerin for bombs. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's a terrible use of it but I do like the like thriftiness of this era mm-hmm. because like imagine if we still recycled things in this way and repurposed things and care you yeah. know what I mean cared and weren't just so careless with our usage it would probably make a big yeah. difference environmentally well I was in the same vein but not really I was reading about um chicken piccata recipe in the New York Times the failing New York Times <laughs> and they talk about pounding the chicken thing in a Ziploc bag and everyone in the comments was like, absolutely not. Ziploc will break open. Um, what you should do is take your cracker or cereal plastic bags and save those and then use those to pound meat. Cause they'll, they won't break. Totally. And somebody was like, this is more than just Yankee thrift. This is the most efficient way to do this. And I was like, Oh, I never thought about that. But then I was like, how are you going to get all the cracker crumbs out of those bags? Well, it's okay if a couple little cracker crumbs get on it, but I love that idea. That's so, like, it is really smart. And Yeah, and multiple people had said that, and I was like, oh, I guess, I, that's why I love reading the comments of recipes. It's, like, my favorite thing. Yeah, it is. People get, like, really upset who have, like, nothing else to do. <laughs> They're like, this said two-thirds of a cup of flour, but I found that that was one teaspoon too much, and it ruined my whole week. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Funny. Okay, awesome. This is great. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some more hard-hitting World War II information. <laughs> Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, makers of specialty cheese from Switzerland, crafted with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere in the United States. But that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kaltbach Cave Age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Moine, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmiusa.com. That's E-M-M-I-U-S-A.com. And just like that, folks, we're back. Oh, please don't reference the sequel to Sex in the City to me. <laughs> And just like that, we're back. I couldn't help but wonder, were they ever going to do a World War II episode? <laughs> oh, my God. I just remember I have a recovered memory from last night. I had a dream. This is a true story. 
that don't tell people <laughs> about your dreams. It's no, no, very this is, rude. This, this is a great, great moment. I had a dream that I was watching the sequel to Sex in the City and just like that. And that Kim Cattrall was in it. <gasps> that was like, and it, they had just like lied to everyone about her not being in it for fun. And that she was in it. And I was like, I was also in it though. So I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad that you did this secret surprise. Anyway, sorry. That's a truth dream that I had. And I do wish that that were true. Okay. I'm glad you told us, but just for our (laughs) listener out there, don't get any ideas. Don't tell anyone your dreams. They're terrible. I had a dream the other day. Now that we're telling our dreams, a nightmare actually, (laughs) that I was in a car and I was like pinned against like a wall by an 18 wheeler. And I felt myself like squish and die. An 18-wheeler. <laughs> wow. I know. It was so violent. I was like, what is the meaning of this? Like, what am I so worried about? But- oh, well, I have, yeah, I have death dreams when I'm really stressed out. I also will have dreams where I die, but I still feel massive breathing. And yes. I'm like, when am I going to finally stop breathing and die? And yeah. then I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm alive. <laughs> oh, I'm alive. <laughs> oh, good. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you a story about someone who isn't alive anymore. <laughs> Adolf... Bethany Hitler. Um, so yeah, um, I'm going to talk about Hitler today, folks. And earlier, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to preface this by saying my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. Oh, so that makes it okay. And so, uh, yeah, she to casually assault people who are just listening to a fun food podcast. Exactly. Hitler talk. <laughs> I know you came for his, our uh, Ben Affleck trivia, but please stay for our hit a hard hitting. <laughs> Hitler information. Um, somehow, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to get through this, folks, together. Um, so I didn't know that I wanted to talk about Hitler when I woke up <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> but I decided somewhere during the day that I was going to. So I got my information from my favorite book, Mein Kampf. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, I'm kidding it's your it's your favorite book um (laughs) I do love it so so, no I got my information from an an article in the Telegraph by Roya Nika and an article in BBC News by Holly Williams so first I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a group of women um who had a very unusual position um with the German military uh, during the uh the little the little war known as World War II. So uh, unknown until 2013, a team of around 15 women were employed to taste Hitler's food and to check if it was poisoned. So before like every single meal that he ever ate, these 15 women each had to try the same food. Now, something about 15 this- 15 is so many. I agree. It's so many. And it kind of like doesn't fully make sense to me because like, couldn't they be trying like just a different plate of food? Like, they're not eating off of one giant plate. So, like, couldn't, if Hitler was going to be poisoned, wouldn't they have just, po- like, managed to poison just his portion? This sounds, like, it, I don't quite get it, but I'm sure somehow it worked. Right, and also, if it was just his plate of food that he was about to eat, if 15 people eat it before him, is there anything much left? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, how did this guy even get anything to eat? Anyway, in 2013, a then 95-year-old woman named Margo, uh, Margo Wolk revealed her former role to the German magazine Der Spiegel. Now, somebody ended up making a play, like an off-Broadway play about this, about the food testers called like Hitler's Testers or something, which I didn't really go into detail about mentioning, but it sounded kind of funny, actually. Um, They tested Hitler's food during the last two and a half years of World War II. Was it a comedy? The play was a comedy, yes. Okay, great. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> um, you were like, it sounded kind of funny, but I was like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that it was supposed to be funny. It was funny in the way that Schindler's List was funny. Um, yeah. Nonstop laugh. Nonstop laugh. So uh, Hitler demanded young women of good German stock sample each of his meals made for him uh, in case the Allies or one of his own were trying to poison him. Such a role was seen as a kind of honor and a way to serve. Um, we could unpack the ways in which this is terrible, tragic, fucking sad. Were they getting paid? I mean, I can't imagine. I, I don't know. And I, I it just makes me just sad to think of these like young gals like who were obviously you know doing terrible things and on the wrong side but they're just young women they don't fucking know what the hell they're right thinking or doing it just sucks for everybody um members of the ss would serve the food wait the hour to see if the girls keeled over and if they didn't <laughs> the food would be taking to hitler but in between each meal the young women had little to do except to sit and wait around to see if they died yeah, I know. It's really, and they couldn't watch TV or anything because it was 1944. Absolutely. They had to just like play dominoes or something and just wait to see <laughs> if they started shedding blood. Um, Wolk <laughs> described a diet of vegetables, rice, pasta, noodles, and exotic fruits or taboo fruits as we spoke about last time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like probably kiwis and fucking coconuts. Um, a real a durian. A durian. Uh, a real rarity at the time. But although the food was, quote, very good, she added that they couldn't enjoy it. I mean, duh, because each time you're waiting to see if you die from like the you know, star fruit that you just had to eat 10 of. <laughs> um, some of the girls taste started to shed tears as they began eating because they were so afraid, she said in an interview in 2013. Oh my God. I know. It's really like a very dark thing to think about. Um, oh, did any of them die from being poisoned? No. No. Be able to even get in there to poison him none of them did die from poisoning but i'll tell you what happened to them in a moment okay sorry no that's okay uh we had to eat it all up then we had to wait an hour and every time um we were frightened that we're gonna be ill we used to cry like dogs because we were so glad we had survived um so according to this article as far as we know none of the girls were poisoned but part of the reason that um it had never been talked about because while they survived as Russian forces advanced, a lieutenant sneaked this one woman out of the door out on uh, Joseph uh, Goebel's train heading to Berlin. But it's thought that all the other girls who remained were shot by Soviet soldiers. Oh, my God. I know. It's really fucked up. So the one who got out was the woman who told that exactly Sorry? so that's why like we never really had much information until 2013 when this woman was like 95 and she decided to kind of talk about what happened how come he smuggled out her were they having a little affair? i'm sure they were probably doing it i don't know i mean that's yeah. just conjecture but <laughs> so okay so onward and again i hope that it's very clear here that i'm in no way like <laughs> laughing about like what's happened it's just a way to kind of diffuse the horrible tragedy which i have a very personal connection to and is like absolutely terrible but i think it's just interesting um and we get to see like you know more of the ways in which hitler was a disgusting person through his eating habits mm-hmm. so okay now moving on to eva braun who is hitler's wife um the only aspect of hitler's life that she found repulsive the only aspect that this woman thought was repulsive about Adolf Hitler was his heavy vegetarian diet. When she well, met him. Do we know that? I don't really know how much. I mean, there has been a lot of stuff written about her, but like, do has she ever 
gone on record saying what she thought was disgusting i mean yeah she could have also thought his breath was disgusting or like she also could have been like i support you because i feel like i have no other recourse to leave this marriage or something right well according to this one singular article i met they say that the only thing that she thought was disgusting about him was his heavy vegetarian diet when she met him he had not yet switched to vegetarianism do you know that hiller was a vegetarian I did not know that. Well, now you do. (laughs) And let that be a lesson to all of you vegetarians. Don't be like your friend Hitler. He doesn't mention it once in Mein Kampf, so. (laughs) She was unbending when confronted with mashed potatoes and linseed oil. Okay, I don't really know what that means, but. (laughs) She was equally turned off by Hitler's gluttonous capacity for sweets. He was known to eat up to two pounds of pralines a day to calm his nerves. Jesus, he should just smoke cigarettes. That's too many pralines for anyone. I don't even like a praline. To be honest, what's the fucking point? If you're so nervous that you're eating two pounds of pralines, I mean, take a long, hard look in the in the mirror and ask yourself, what is this all for, honestly? Yeah. You're making a wrong, you're obviously doing something very wrong. Um, once an argument broke out at the table, uh, about the best way to make Bavarian meatballs and Hiller urged all the ladies to go into the kitchen and prepare their own version so that the men could compare them. Soon the table was laden with meatballs. Some of them soon, were, I doubt it. It probably took a long time. I know meatballs take a while to make some of them rolling around haphazardly yet. He didn't eat them because as we know, he was a vegetarian. So just forcing everyone to go get up from their good time and make meatballs. Uh, not cool, Hitler. Um, in 1942, Hitler told Joseph Goebbels that he intended to convert Germany to vegetarianism when he won the war. So okay. that means wiener schnitzels and worsts of all kinds. Out. No, but they could make them with lima beans. That's true. They could have made some lima bean worsts. But um, luckily, for that reason only, they did not win the war. And, and that's Germany get to keep their meat. Um, also, I thought Ava Brown was not married to Hitler. I think they got married in the very last years of of their lives. I believe. Okay, I'm pretty right sure. Right before he shot himself, did he shoot himself? I believe he shot both of them in the bunker. <laughs> Him and Ava Brown. Fun. Or she was just like, I've had enough of your fucking like vegetarian farts. I can't stand this anymore. I'm out. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> And it just happened to line up with when he had been cornered. Um, So anyway, Hitler's apparent enthusiasm for vegetarian reflected the Nazi obsession with Aryan body purity. Um, Gross, gross, gross. Yuck, yuck, yuck. A Hitler youth manual from the 1930s promoted soybeans in which they were called Nazi beans as an alternative to meat. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. Although he referred to meat broth as corpse tea. Wow, he sounds like a present day vegan. I, right? He was not fastidious about declining meat. Uh, his cook before the war claimed that he used to be a fan of stuffed pigeon and was also par- par- partial to Bavarian sausages and the occasional slice of ham. Oh, once in a while. Once in a Go while crazy. I have one slice of ham. Actually, I heard this thing the other day. This breaking news came up on my news feed that um, Jennifer she, Aniston eats one potato that chip she eats, when she's stressed. I know. I was like, this is sick. This woman needs to go get some help. Eating one potato, potato chip. She does look good. Maybe that's the secret. 
No, but she, I've also, I mean, you can't believe any of that shit. I also have know someone who was on the set with her one time and she ate Cool Ranch Doritos and oh, she ate more than one. Good for her. Um, in a secret diary, one German soldier wrote, Hitler eats rapidly, maniacally. <laughs> he abstractedly bites his finger. He abstractedly bites his fingernails. He ruins his index finger. He runs his index finger back and forth under his nose, and his table manners are a little short of shocking. Which, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Anyone who thought Hitler had good table manners, I mean, probably is missing the larger picture of who this person was. Um, well, I don't, I feel like those two things are mutually exclusive. I don't have great table manners, but I'm a wonderful person. That's true. You Maybe you don't have great table, I don't have good table manners either. I lick the plate. But I also have no interest in mass genocide. However, I think that someone who has been, you know, the portrayal we've seen of Hitler with the table slamming and the yelling and the murdering of six million Jewish people, we can assume that he probably doesn't have, like, great etiquette at the table. I haven't really seen very many portrayals of Hitler, I feel like, but except for a springtime for Hitler. That's exactly what it was like. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of dancing and singing. For our young listeners, that's a Mel Brooks film. My God, I love Mel Brooks. Um, okay. So there was also a huge campaign in Nazi Germany to push one pot meals to make, to make, uh, fetch a thing. <laughs> they were trying to make fetch happen. Um, so there was a campaign called the Ein Topfenstag tag campaign, a Nazi push. Like a beautiful accent. You have. The, yeah. I'm a, I'm fluent in German. Ein Topfenstag campaign <laughs> no, i don't think you should try to make it sound better i stop the campaign a nazi push to make the german families eat one pot meals um they made everyone give quote charity money like and the impetus was an annual charity drive run by the nazis to feed and clothe veterans and the poor through the winter i don't really necessarily buy that's what the money was being used for obviously they were probably doing more nefarious things with it um, wealthier Germans were expected to pitch in as much as they could, but actually getting people to cough up cash was proven challenging. So in 1933, Nazis developed a new campaign centered around the one pot meals. So like, basically they were saying, since everyone had to give up money, like, let's all make these like really cheap. You had to make these cheap meals every Sunday. And they made like tons of cookbooks about them. And Unfortunately, the you know, as we can assume from how awful the Nazis were, um, is that the point was not really like you know a, uh, altruistic. It was that they wanted one race to be eating one food at the same time every week. Mm. Well, it's like the precursor to Meatless Mondays. I would say. <laughs> That's true, or Taco <laughs> Tuesday. I mean. <laughs> Um, people in the bourgeoisie that like, got really tired of this, obviously the riches were like, I don't want to eat this like boiled bone with like ham water and peas every Sunday. And, uh, and they poor couldn't keep affording to give the donations. And then I also paraphrased the Nazis are also fucks and they lost the war. So they couldn't enforce this. However, a lot of these, um, types of meals did stick around in like German cooking until even today, like kind of like what? Um, like they like pea soup with ham and like sausages boiled with sauerkraut and kind of just like peasant food. I mean, stuff that like, if this was implemented in a different, like less evil and horrifying way could be viewed as lovely recipes, but, and then I'm sure they are lovely recipes now for people who are currently making them who do not have a Nazi agenda, but like, you know, it's just the, 
a reason why the recipes were formed is obviously very problematic to say the very, to say the least. Um, so like, uh, how do you say it? Charcut garni, which we used to yes. do at my old restaurant is totally like that. Yeah. Like a one pot, like peasant meal. Yeah. I love that shit though. I love it too. I mean, it's delicious and you know, obviously we can appreciate like good recipes and good food and, and, uh, you know, hate Nazis at the same time. So then in my reading about, uh, Hitler and food, it took me to a grub sheet article from 2011 with when in Thailand, which apparently has a lot of fetishization about Hitler. I'm not exactly sure why, and we don't really have time to get into it, (laughs) but, um, they, there was a Hitler themed fried chicken restaurant that opened with a Hitler, but portrayed kind of as Colonel Sanders. Wow. This is so bizarre. And there was like, yeah, it was super, super weird. It was called Hitler fried chicken. (laughs) A very straightforward name. And then in 2013, uh, they changed it to H dash L E R food and drink. The imprint of genocide may linger. This is according to Grub Street. But the dictator's face has been blacked out and replaced with a single question mark. So it's an outline of his face with a question mark in it. Um, Okay. But if they really wanted to step away from it, they didn't have to keep H-L-E-R. They could have just been like... So (laughs) weird. And it looks like... And they say, they're going to say, the place looks like it does brisk trade in ice cream bars. (laughs) (laughs) Not pralines? Not... You would... You would think that there would be a heavy praline business coming out of this place, but apparently there's not a praline to be seen. And there's chicken, and he didn't even eat chicken, so I don't know what wow, the fuck is going on at this so place. so much to unpack here. It's so fucking terrible and strange and horrible. Also, what is a praline? A candied It's nut? like a pecan caramelly situation. Yeah, no, not for me. I mean, I'd eat it, but not because Hitler ate it. Just because I found out about them before Hitler. I'm not a big... I would gladly give up pralines now knowing what I know about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I know this is like not typically a funny story. Again, obviously the murder and horror that was like, you know, came out of World War II and Hitler. And uh, again, my grandmother, on a serious note, was a Holocaust survivor and lost her entire family in concentration camps. So... I don't so think it's this, fine if we make fun of it. So, it's totally fine. Uh, yeah, so I've earned the right to make fun of it. <laughs> but I hope that it translates that I am not in any way like I think it, I think my point translated. It's meant to just basically like communicate the point that being a vegetarian is evil and wrong. <laughs> and you should think twice about it. And go ahead and throw a couple of slices of ham in your sandwich. Again, don't be like your friend Hitler. Oh, I have a, are you, are you finished with your research? I hope so, because I thought it was going to be less uncomfortable than it was, but it did feel uncomfortable. Well, you're making it more awkward, I think, but so (laughs) I, but I have a story to cleanse our palates. Oh, um, thank God. Making fun of people who have dietary restrictions because they care about the welfare. Please, please. Um, So this guy came into my restaurant and he's vegan and famously our Indiana based hipster restaurant does not really have a lot of options for vegans sure. um, we have more than other places I've worked but um I for whatever reason usually I don't do this but I guess the you, you never know what's going to happen when you approach a table but I started making fun of him immediately for being a vegan <laughs> <laughs> did you start calling him Hitler 
No, but I was like, I was, just, I don't know. I just like did the, I don't know. I couldn't, and usually I don't do that. Cause I'm like, I, I do respect vegans. I think that that's totally fine. Um, but so he, whatever, for some reason I was just like online or something, but mm-hmm. I, cause there, so uh, sometimes if you're a vegan, you know that there's like a questionable gray area about oysters because technically oysters are more akin to plants than they are to animals. So right. They don't have brains and they, they actually come from little seeds. Um, so I thought it would be a great idea to ask this dude from Indiana who clearly has like no food experience whatsoever, if he had ever considered eating oysters as a vegan. And he was like, Oh my God, no. And I was like, well, okay, let me explain. Let me mansplain to you um, (laughs) that oysters are plants, dude. Um, and so the woman that was with him was just dying laughing and she and then she was like, well, also anchovies are sustainable, the most sustainable fish. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anchovies are a living creature with eyes. Yeah, that's a fish, yeah. you fucking dumbass. Um, <laughs> but I don't I'm even, making a point here. I don't know what possessed me to go into this. And when I came back to the table, like bring them their check, she was like, I just love that you brought it for him to eat oysters. And I'm like, listen, there's an article in the New York Times about this. The guy arguing that he was a vegan, but he did actually eat oysters. And I thought it was fascinating and really interesting. Um, so, Yeah. It is fascinating, and it is true that, like, an oyster is, I mean, many people... You know what I don't understand about vegans? Why won't they eat honey? What the fuck's the problem? A vegan, call into the show, please. Explain yourself. Well, I mean, this has been discussed at length in many different other forms. But basically, they don't want to disrupt the living creature, so we don't want to use it. Like, they don't want the honey to go to us. Who Um, the fuck should it go to? A bear? There's not, like, just, like, poo bears everywhere going to eat honey. Well, there should be more bears. I think that's what the idea is. Right. So if we stop eating the honey, the bears <laughs> will come back. If we stop stealing all the honey from the bears, the bears will come back. <laughs> <laughs> they want bears to take over the earth. Do you hear this, people? Do not trust your vegan friends and neighbors. They probably have good taste in punk music. They are, might be sober. but they love, they love blueberries. They love blueberries. And they <laughs> love sea snacks. But <laughs> they're not to be trusted. How do they feel about sea snacks, actually? Don't you feel like maybe a seaweed is a gray area for veganism? That's an interesting question, Zara. Um, I don't know. I also made a joke to the vegan because the woman was talking about how it's sustainable fish and then how you need animals to keep the world alive. And he was like, well, you need plants to keep the world alive. And I was like, exactly. So stop eating all of our plants. I can't <laughs> believe you like <laughs> fucking like started fucking with this poor <gasps> man. I know. But he was like, <laughs> he was laughing. Like he was totally into it. Yeah. And you know, living in Indiana, he must get this abuse constantly. I think, but I think maybe I've just changed from living here. <laughs> totally. You're like working for like big beef now. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking around. I do think that like we eat obviously way too much meat in this country and it is destroying the environment completely. And I would gladly, I mean, I wouldn't say gladly, but I would switch to vegetarianism if Hitler hadn't ruined it for us. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, I basically never cook meat in my home. I only make vegetarian meals and I made a delicious lo mein yesterday, by the way. Oh, Mm -hmm. really? Go Mm -hmm. on. What kind of, what'd you put in there? Any baby corn? No, I didn't go. It's like probably less a lo mein than like a noodle, Asian inspired noodle salad, I guess. Oh, okay. Okay. But basically it was just, I had a ton of broccoli and a ton of cabbage that was about to go way south. So I put all of that in there. Um, and then I made a sauce, which is like soy sauce, raw garlic, sugar, mm-hmm. fish sauce, a little sherry. A little um, garlic like emerald? Yeah, raw garlic. 
Um, and then, you know, some sriracha and then just put all that together and then kind of stir fry it in my non correct like pan um so <laughs> you it didn't put really it in the blender like, and I drink it char- <laughs> i didn't get charred or anything but it was good it was like, really tasty and you know i was proud of myself for my one pan meal one no pan that meal. sounds great that sounds very delicious i came home yesterday to discover that i didn't you know i went away and rented my apartment so i had like no food in the house and so i've been pretty much just eating dried banana chips <laughs> Mm, yeah, those are good. Well, they are okay, really but like, high calorie. Yeah, I mean, thank the Lord, I had something. But I've been nibbling on dried banana chips, and so immediately following this podcast, I'm gonna have to go out and get something to eat because I'm I feel pretty hungry. <laughs> I didn't eat nearly enough lobsters when I was in Maine. Yeah. Um, I know that's a very privileged problem. I'm just kidding. I ate plenty of lobster. It was very fun. And I was glad to go to Maine. Folks, I know that no one's really heard of Maine yet, but may I say Maine. Uh, Vacation land? Vacation land. The name rings true. It really is a perfect place. If if one has the opportunity to go on vacation, that is a nice place to go on vacation. It's very pretty. Mm -hmm. The food is very delicious. And the people are quite friendly. Very white, unfortunately. Um, Lots of Subaru Outbacks. Yeah, there are a lot. There's a lot of bumper stickers in Maine, too. Oh, yeah, totally. A lot of coexist. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, we got some Hillary ones. There were some Bernies in, up there as well, which was nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not Vermont. It's not Vermont, but it's close enough. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's... I thought maybe that's where he vacations. I was wondering if I would see him. Uh, anyway, happy belated birthday, by the way, to... Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, yeah. Yeah. God bless him. 80 years young. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 30 years younger than Nancy Pelosi. Oh. uh, uh, (laughs) 30 years younger than Nancy Pelosi. I just got that. That's funny. Yes. She's the one drinking corpse tea. Am I right? Uh, Totally. Um, What are your three favorite uh, World War II memories? (laughs) (laughs) What are your three favorite World War II battles? Oh, yeah, like the Battle of Potemkin and then uh, (laughs) the Battle of, uh, what's the one? Normandy? Yeah, Uh, it's a good one. Yeah, big D-Day guy. And then like the one with the, you know, the Ben Affleck movie with the... Oh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, Sure, 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 sure. It's a great battle. Yeah, great (laughs) battle. just get annihilated. (laughs) Wonderful. It's really awesome. Um, What are your three favorite World War II movies? Uh, um, Well, Pearl Harbor. Okay, fair enough. Um, Saving Private Ryan? That's just a movie. <laughs> is that That's your... World War II. That's World War II. No, I know. I'm just wondering, is it actually your favorite or you're just naming another World War II movie? If we can fucking find three World War II mem- movies in my brain, then those are my favorite. Okay, and fine. I... Oh, well, this is actually, never mind. I was like, this is World War I, which is, the... <laughs> I know it, The Cage Bird Sings. Is that a World War I movie? I don't know. Um, but what's another World War Oh, The Things They Carried? Oh, I don't know if I know that one. I don't even know if they made it into a movie. It's definitely a book about World War II. I just want to mention that I think there's someone like literally washing my door, like outside of my door as we speak, because like for some reason when we podcast is the only time when anyone ever makes any noise in my building. (laughs) Otherwise, it's like the quietest place. Hold on. I just 
nobody cares. I can't hear any of the sounds. But um, so I think my favorite World War II movie is Apocalypse Now. Uh, yes, that's unfortunately <laughs> the wrong war, but a great movie. <laughs> that was Apocalypse Now Redux. That was the director's cut. Um, I really love the movie Inglorious Bastards. I it's one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino films. Oh yeah, it's good job. Forgot about that one. Amazing. <clears throat> I recently rewatched that, and I was going to rewatch it again last night because it's really <laughs> good. Um, I love Jojo Rabbit. Did you see that? I did not see that. Jojo Rabbit was really good. And then, of course, as you all know, the movie that I famously thought was about abortion, but is actually <laughs> about the Holocaust, is Sophie's Choice. Now, it's That's not... your favorite World War II movie? It's only my favorite because I <laughs> think it's hilarious that I thought it was about abortion. Um, that well, is also, also a hard choice, I'm just saying. I, lo- sometimes. I love The Diary of Anne Frank. That's great. Yeah, that's a good one. I feel like also, isn't that um, movie where like Julia or Armand or similar has sex with all three brothers? Don't they go to World War II in that? And Anthony Hopkins is their dad. Oh, yes. What is that movie? I don't know. Maybe they go to World War I. No, no, that's just another movie with Anthony <laughs> Hopkins. Sorry, Sir, Sir Hopkins. What well, is that, Hannibal? No. <laughs> no, I think it's World War One anyway, so it literally does not matter. <laughs> There's nothing enough. to do with what we're talking about. I mean, Schindler's List was also a great movie. And the is sign, it? I think it's pretty good. But do you remember the Seinfeld where like Jerry gets caught making out in Schindler's List? <laughs> no. <that's laughs> By really his funny. parents. He's like, you were making out during Schindler's List. <laughs> oh my god um anyway world war ii well we laughed we cried um mm-hmm. we got into some very uncomfortable conversations and yeah. uh we made it Stay somehow tuned. to the end of the podcast and by that i mean the end of the show because we're obviously getting canceled after this <laughs> yeah and stay tuned for our next episode about world war one <laughs> we're going back in time <laughs> folks thank you so much um have a wonderful weekend and also possible we'll see you again next week bye bye life's banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.